Amen. It's good to worship with you. It's good to be with you. Uh, it's fun to be here with Jim Hale and to remember uh, Jacob and I were on the Poland trip with Jim a while ago. And, uh, you know, I was just in Sunday school class with Tom Middlebrook, just gave Jan Ward a, a hug on the way in. And it's, it's just so fun to be a family. All of us were on that same trip with Jim in Poland and to feel like we, we are sharing in this kingdom together. And one of the most amazing parts of getting to be a part of this kingdom is I get to open the Word of God with you. So, uh, if you will, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. That's, uh, we've been going through 1 John. And uh, as you're getting there, I'll, I'll sort of remind us, we've been there four weeks, sort of remind us where we go. I, I guess I would summarize 1 John like, like this. 1 John is a letter of love, light, and fellowship. And so uh, we've, we've actually spent a fair bit of time on love and light, but I want to sort of camp out, because I think that's what the scripture does here, camp out on that fellowship. But I want to sort of remind you, or if you've missed a week in the last four weeks, sort of remind you sort of where we're at here. Um, so if you remember the first week uh, Scott LeGraff preached, and he talked about John, the author, uh, proclaiming as an eyewitness that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. Um, amazing truth. But, but I want you to notice how John is working in this theme of fellowship even there. So this is from that passage of the first week, uh, verse uh, 3 in chapter 1. I think it's there. I'm hoping it's there. Oh, nope. <laughs> I forgot. I put up a picture of fellowship. So maybe this is what you're thinking about when you're thinking about fellowship. Um, you know, maybe you're thinking about people fellowshipping with each other. Or, or maybe when you think about fellowship, I actually put up two pictures that I forgot about. Um, <laughs> you want to go ahead and go back to that picture? I, I apologize, Josiah and Drew. This is, this is what sound tech people hate. You know, here's the slides. I'm not going to follow the order, right? <laughs> You know, so is it, maybe this is the picture of fellowship, you know, with a believers fellowshipping with the Lord. And, and both of those are part of the picture. Now I want to go to the first week scripture. Um, so, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. This is the fellowship of believers. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So can you see that theme was coming all the way through? That second week, you remember we talked about what it meant to live in the light. And even as we were talking about in the light, fellowship was sort of central. So in this, in this next chunk, um, this is a scripture from that second week. If we claim that we have fellowship with him, that is with the Lord, Yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So see, fellowship with the Lord, fellowship with one another. Even as we're walking through these other themes of love and of light, fellowship is really central. You might remember two weeks ago, uh, Michael Powell spoke about how we bring God our, our obedience, we bring God our repentance, we bring God to other people, and we bring God ourselves. 
Can you see how that is an aspect of fellowship, bringing God ourself? And then, and then last week, you remember uh, how we focused in on an old command that is always being made new, and that is to love as Jesus loved. Well, that sort of brings us to uh, verse 18 in chapter 2, and that's where, where we jump in today into First uh, John. So, uh, Verses 18 and 19 to start with. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So, uh, I, I guess I titled this at, at the top of their, their notes in your bulletin. I titled this, uh, Warning Time, Not Worry Time. John, John is an old man at the point that he's writing this, and he's writing to younger believers in the faith, and this is, this is a time of warning. And so, uh, I'm going to focus in on what I see as three, three warnings to the body, but this is not a time of worry. And often, somehow, when we get warned, sort of, we think, oh, well, the way I'll be cautious is I'll just worry a lot. John doesn't want us to do that. So what, what do you see in here? Well, when you start out, the, the first thing that he's saying to these, these people that he loves, these dear children, this is the last hour. And he repeats it twice. So John, John really comes back to this um, this theme of hours. Uh, if you read the Gospel of John, you know, his first miracle, he, his mother asks him to turn water into wine, and he says, you know, woman, my hour has not yet come. And later on, you know, he's about to be pushed off a cliff, but it says, Jesus' hour had not yet come, and so he walked through the crowds. John uses the word hour a lot. Um, not ever, I think, to talk about a literal 60-minute period. But he's saying, the time is short. Now, when I first, when I first started reading uh, the Bible regularly, I guess in junior high school, I thought it was really weird, this, this is the last hour, and it's like, oh, this is 2017, this is about 2,000 years old, was this guy just like wrong? And, and I think it's really important to think about him saying the time is short, even though the Bible is clear that no one knows the hour and the day when the Lord will return, okay? No one here is making a claim about, I know the hour. Uh, that's, that's clearly unbiblical. But the time is short, and I think there's two sort of ways that we need to, we need to be really aware. The time is, is short. And the first way is this. Your window of opportunity for fellowship, for love, for light, in the current situation is short. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that. The people that you see this week, I don't know how long you're going to see them. I don't know how long you're going to be in a relationship with them. Uh, as, as Peter wrote in his first epistle, you should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. I remember a time when uh, an unbelieving friend of mine was staying at my house and we were praying over breakfast. And, and he said after, after we prayed, so... If God knows everything, uh, why do you bother to talk to him? <coughs> well, that's not exactly breakfast conversation that every household every day. So, you know, 
Are you ready? The time is short. You might not get that opportunity twice. Have you thought about the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ? Uh, another story from Hubbard House. Uh, I don't know if, if some of you would remember Tim Birdwell. Um, he was an intern here maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, he married uh, uh, a lovely girl named Jada, also a part of this fellowship. But his lease ran out about three months before he was supposed to get married. So um, I was single at the time. Uh, he, he asked, hey, could I, could I live at your house for three months? And hey, here's a great opportunity. Uh, Tim's now um, a pastor in Austin. So here's a neat guy. I'm going to live with him for three months. Here's a great opportunity. But he was busy, and I'm busy. In three months, I ate with him one time. We had half a, half a conversation about something of spiritual significance. I lost that opportunity. The time is short. Um, now, I, you know, I mean, the goal is not to sort of so, so much lament that, but to, to learn. Uh, I don't know if you'd remember Joey Brunson, the bright red-haired piano player we had for three years. So he was my next housemate. Uh, we lived together for three years, and but, uh, maybe, maybe shorter than that. Um, but we got to eat together frequently. He spent time with my family. I spent time with his family. We, we got together. Fellowship is meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to be delightful. It's meant to be rejoicing at the shared hope that we have. And I didn't miss the ball with Joey. But the time is short. Joey now lives in Houston. And I'm so glad I made, made a point of taking that opportunity. What opportunities do you have now? Who's the Lord placed in your life that you will regret not taking the time to invest in now. Okay, so part of it is you have a window of opportunity with the relationships you have now. But part of, I think, this message about the time is short is in light of eternity. So verse 17, if you still have your Bibles open, right before, remember what uh, John says, and this is something Chris Lip mentioned last week, the man who does the will of God, or as Chris says, what God wants, lives forever. So John is saying, in light of this time being short, remember eternity. You might think that time, you know, you got a lot of years. 5,000 years from now, though, you're going to think about eternity. And eternity is a long, long, long Long, long, and knotted? No. Uh, I don't think etern eternity has no knots. That's, that's not theologically sound, guys. Uh, um, <laughs> okay. A long time, right? Eternity is a long time. 50,000 years from now, when you and I are in the presence of God worshiping, you're going to look back on 2017 it might not seem like more than an hour. And when Christ returns, how I spent 2017 is going to seem very wise or very foolish. I made this part red. If this were, if this were today, if this were this month or this year, I mean, you almost didn't notice the red part in the light of in the light of eternity. Remember eternity. Remember what's here. Now, I don't think this is a newsflash. 
I don't think this is the first time most of you have thought about eternity. This is not a question about knowing. This is a question about holding on to, about abiding in eternity. That's what fellowship is. Fellowship isn't saying hello. It's sitting down. We need to fellowship with the truth. We need to hold on to those moments. And I know, you know, we have a two-year-old at home. There are times at two in the morning when <laughs> it's a long night, right? That is a short time. That will seem very short in light of eternity. And we need to hold on to that. We need to hold on to the imminence of Christ's return. And John is saying, remember, remember, it is the last hour. So that's the first warning. What's the second warning? Uh, notice in that passage, if you, if you look in your Bible back in verse 18, he says, as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. So just a little context. John's recipients would have known that the Bible talked frequently about this character called the Antichrist. So if you go back a number of places, but say Daniel, Daniel 7, it says, a king will arise... And he will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people. And then in the New Testament, numerous authors talk about the fact that this Antichrist will come. But I think John's wanting us to refocus a little bit from one individual who uh, might be really powerful and speak against God and saying, wait, what does Antichrist mean? means anti-Christ. And what we're talking about here is the fact that not everyone tells the truth about God. And John wants his, his followers to understand, you need to be warned. Not everyone is going to tell you the truth about God. And this is it's strange, you know, this is not a, a super spiritual concept. I honestly think when he uses the word antichrist, sometimes we go, woo! Um, you know, basically he says what he thinks the antichrist is. Um, if, if you cheat ahead a little bit, um, in verse 22 he says, who is the liar? It is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the antichrist, okay? So what's antichrist? It is denying that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. It is denying that Jesus is the one sent from God to be king. So, Antichrist is anyone. However nice they may be, however unscary they may be, who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So, what's, what's sort of the antidote? Well, Fellowship with believers is meant to be that which pushes us, invites us to relationship with the Father. If, if we are being who, who the Lord has equipped us to be, if we are being a body that worships the Lord, wonders at the Lord, this should be a little mysterious to one who doesn't know the Lord coming in. I mean... It should seem, frankly, really odd that all of these exceptionally talented musicians came and performed for free, right? I mean, if they were to perform Friday night, you'd have to pay for that. Uh, that, that we would have people caring for our children across the street for free. 
because they love the Lord. That we would give for this body and for people that we don't even know. That we would sacrifice to love people in Poland. This is, this is weird <laughs> if you don't know God, or at least it should be. This, this hope that I'm talking about should seem really strange, and this idea of fellowshipping with an unseen God. And so the goal of this ultimately is to invite people into relationship with the Lord and also to invite them to make a decision. Will you honor Christ Jesus as the Savior, as the eternal King? Um, I, think, I think a good analogy is, uh, have you ever heard the, the saying about looking up? You know, if one person's looking up, what's everybody else going to do? Um, which my, my two-year-old daughter got into this what was it, like three months ago? <laughs> so we, you know, this little girl, and she, she looks up, and she wants everybody else, if you don't look up, she's going <laughs> to, look up, look up. And then she giggles when everybody looks up. But the point is, we should be a people who is looking up, looking up to God. And frankly, you should want, being around us, you should want to look up. And honestly, if you're around 10 people who are all looking up, and you don't want to look up, you're probably going to wander off. You're probably going to leave the fellowship because this is who we are. This is what we do. Now, uh, before I go on to my next point, I think there's, there's one, one thing that I'd just really like to clarify here. You know, in the past couple of months, I have had really a number of lovely friends, believers, who've left this fellowship. And this is really not what this passage is talking about. The they in verse 19 is talking about those who are anti-Christ. And my dear friends, and, I, and believe me, I'm, I'm grieved when friends leave this particular fellowship. But they love Jesus Christ. And that is the measure. That is the measure. And please know that when I have friends leave, I continue to pray for them. I continue to hope the same hope that I hope for you and I hope for me, that all of our lives would be used for God's purposes because we serve a really good God. The third, the third warning that I want to focus on is that fellowship is really important. And so the way, the way I, I put it in to be, to be written out, if you're writing along in the outline, is this. Don't give up fellowship with believers and with the truth. This is not about, um, this is not about do you have the truth. This is about do you use the truth. This is not about whether you know Johnny this is about, are you in relationship with Johnny? This is not about whether you know Jesus. This is about, are you relating to Jesus? When have you talked to him lately? Um, I think the author of Hebrews really says it well here. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, 
Not giving up meeting together. The author acknowledges it would be easy. You know, I mean, you got, you got your peeps, and, you know, the body of Christ is always growing, and there's new peeps, uh, and not the edible Easter kind. Um, you know, but we, we have a mission. Being on, in, as a family here is about being an open family, being here with open arms, sharing the hope of Christ that we have, and being open to new relationships. And, and here's the interesting thing. He says the exact thing that John is saying. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That is the day of Jesus Christ. This becomes more and more critical as you recognize that the time is short. Okay, so those are the warnings. Um, but no need to worry. And I think when you go into verse 20, you can sort of see how John pivots a little bit. But you need to be warned, but don't worry. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. So why wouldn't you worry? Well, because as believers, we've been given His Holy Spirit. That is a treasure. We've been given the very Spirit of God. He's come to abide in us. Um, and, and this is interesting. This is what uh, John, so, so of course, John that wrote this book also wrote the Gospel of John. And he actually quotes something that Jesus said in his hearing. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. He'll guide you into what is true. So the truth is not meant to be tricky, right? Um, as, as simplistic as it might seem, the right answer is Jesus. And so often I think, uh, guy, you know, I can get caught up in these really hard-to-answer questions over here. But recognize that the vast majority of truth is, is really exceedingly basic. Who are you listening to? <clears throat> and and just, just to be very simplistic, so often what we listen to, what we think about, is either coming from three different places. It's either coming from the flesh, it's coming from the accuser, or it's coming from the father. So think about, um, I don't know, if, uh, if you're going back to your dorm room and, and um, you think about the people that live next door. And they're really annoying. I mean, sometimes they leave the bathroom dirty and, guy, they really should just get out of my hair. The trick is not knowing that that doesn't come from the Father, right? The trick is just remembering. That thought, that's a very <laughs> self-based thought, right? What would the Lord think about the people who live next to you? How would he see them, right? Um, if, if you, you know, have an office and people come into your office, you know, um, my, my office, people come, come to my door often and they say, are you busy? And it's sort of like, mm. uh, you know, I never know quite how to answer that. 
no, I was just sitting here. <laughs> you know, I, what I try to say is I try to say, yeah, I'm, I'm busy, but I want to talk to you, right? This is an opportunity. The father would say, this is a person who Christ died for that's walking through my door. This is, this is an opportunity, and the time is short, right? And that's really simple, but it's hard for me to remember because paperwork looms, and it's... <laughs> I don't know why it would be that paperwork would seem to compete with human beings, but somehow it's hard to keep my eye on the ball sometimes. The truth, honestly, is pretty simple, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Okay, the second reason why I think John is saying you don't need to worry, this is not worry time, comes in verse 22 and 23. So let's read it together. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one den who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Okay? So, why, why don't you need to worry? Well, because you know who the liar is. You know who the deceiver is, right? The truth is really simple. Jesus is the Christ. So, that's what we all wanted, right? A, a multiple choice test where the answer is really simple. You can all get an A. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is the Christ. This is the answer. And um, remember that uh, believers in Christ Jesus worship a triune God. We worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all three are mentioned here, right? Don't, don't worry because you have the Holy Spirit. And anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. And I think, I think that, that, again, <laughs> is something that, you know, you can ponder forever, and you should. You should marvel at it. But it's a wonderfully simple truth that John presents here. What do you need? You need to accept the Son as Lord. Accepting the Son as Lord, he will send the Holy Spirit. He will send the Spirit of truth. If you have the Son, you have the Father also. Now, I can't resist, as long as you made the mistake of giving me the stage, to talk about the Trinity, because I think this is something that so often we're perplexed by. You know, it's, it's big, and it's hard to grasp, and, and particularly, you know, in, what is that, uh, verse 23, you know, whoever, uh, I think it's verse 23. Um, yeah, whoever acknowledges the Father, sorry, the Son, has the Father also. How do you think about that? Well, I think a lot of times we, we make a fundamental mistake. We assume, you know, Newtonian physics, right or wrong? Okay, quick vote. Was Newtonian physics completely right or was it wrong? All in favor of completely right? Good. It's wrong, right? It's a great idea, but it's imperfect. Why? Well, I mean, it helped us to understand things, but recognize that Einstein came along, right, and said, well, there's special relativity. Oh, wait, and then he came by a little later. Well, there's general relativity. Oh, well, there's quantum mechanics. And you recognize that science, you know, we, we are making progress. This is really useful. I appreciate Newtonian physics. That doesn't mean the picture is entirely laid out, right? But often we, we forget that. We forget and we sort of say, well, 2017 is the year, 
And basically, we got it going on. We basically understand the whole picture, okay? So I want, I want you to sort of go back in time and sort of recognize how something could make perfect sense, but you might not understand it. So imagine that you were um, 3,000 years ago, and you, um, and you didn't know what a plastic cup was. And so you were amazed, right? This is a plastic cup. But the plastic cup has ice in it. And the ice is the point. And you had this thing. Let's say you'd seen ice before. And the weird thing about this ice, I mean, this is ice. It's solid. It's not water. And yet, as I hold it, it's becoming water. Is, is, this, is this liquid water? Or is this something different? I don't know. OK, Topper, you want to hold that thought? OK, there you go. <laughs> Convert that for me. Uh, okay, so um, you can watch it drip. The spiritual metaphors are dripping. Um, so, and think about being around a campfire 3,000 years ago. You could, you could see the steam, right? And steam is not water, right? Steam doesn't run down the stream. And yet you put your hand in the steam, and what happens? It makes your hand hot. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> um, the water condenses on your hand. Well, somehow it's not water, but, but it is. Somehow you have these three different things. You have that really cold, man, you are tough. Let me give you a cup for that. <laughs> um, you know, you have the ice. You have the liquid water running down the stream. You have the steam. You have three different things. And yet they're one. That makes no sense. And yet you all sort of sat through high school chemistry, and you know that there are three states to water, right? There's the solid, there's the liquid, there's the gaseous state. There's phase changes and temperatures, right? And so there's something that makes perfect sense to you, or at least your chemistry teacher told you it was supposed to, right? And yet there is no way an ancient could have grasped the perfectness of three and one. And I just have to digress briefly. I may be wrong when I get to heaven, but I just wonder, if I were a triune God, if I were three in one and I were creating all the universe, I would be really tempted to create all matter as one, but sort of in three, three in one. I would be tempted to create every carbon molecule so that it could be solid, it could be liquid, it would be gas. I would be tempted to create every helium molecule so that you could have gaseous helium, you could have liquid helium, you could have solid helium. Oh wait, that's the way the world works. Did you know that all matter can be liquid? All matter can be solid? Now helium, just for you guys that were sleeping in, high school chemistry. Helium has to be super cooled to be solid, right? So it's not like all of it just happens before your eyes. But I just have to wonder if the Lord didn't make all matter as a testament to his three-in-one nature for those who are willing to see. I wonder. I wonder. Someday I'll know, right? Okay, so on to that last point on your outline. Uh, that comes from verse 24. So, verse 24, as for you, 
See that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. You need to hold on to the truth, and you need to continue in him. So when you're thinking about that picture of fellowship, uh, I've got two more pictures up here, uh, and those pictures are of dishes. Which dishes have been fellowshipped? Having fellowship with the truth, having fellowship with the Father, is not about knowing what is true. It is about engaging with what is true. It is about enjoying what is true. Some translations translate this not as uh, remain or continue in him, but abide in him, which is really nice. Abiding is this word that says enjoy it, rest in it. You need to hold on to the truth. That's enough. Continue in Jesus Christ. You need to hold on to those Christian relationships. And those relationships had better be different than if that person weren't a believer. You need to talk about the things that really matter. You need to rejoice at the fact that eternity is coming and there will be a day. We need to live in fellowship with each other and in constant fellowship with God. That is an active process. And then, so John does something really interesting at the end here. And I want you to notice what he does. Uh, some, sometimes you could be frustrated because John sort of seems to cycle back again and again. But notice what John does here. Go to verse 25. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Sounds a lot like remembering eternity. Sounds a lot like the first point on your outline, right? Come back to the time being short here. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Did you know not everybody tells the truth about God? He's coming back to these truths. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. Now, the Bible talks about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So this is talking about when, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you receive this gift, the Holy Spirit. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. You have the Holy Spirit. Continue in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And then John actually, in the last verse, comes back to the very thing he opened chapter 2 with. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. That we offer God our repentance, we offer God ourselves. And this is... This is where we finish. If you see fellowship with God as something to be accomplished, something to be finished, something to be checked off, you will be frustrated and unsuccessful. This is a cycle. This is an unending, beautiful cycle for those who are willing to enter into relationship. If my relationship with my wife is something where I'm trying to check it off, I'm trying to get, get done with being a good husband, that is futile. 
How on earth is that going to work? I can't bring her enough flowers next week to be done, right? And yet, if that relationship is something that we enjoy, if the fellowship with the Lord, if the fellowship with believers, if the fellowship with truth is something you delight in, if, if it's something that we can take life in, find love in, it will be an unparalleled beauty in your life and my life. Let that be how we enter into fellowship with the Lord. We're going to pray together. Then we're going to get the privilege of remembering the fellowship that Jesus offered through the Lord's Supper. Oh, Lord, you are so, so profoundly good. You are generous with us. You are patient with us. You are kind. Even as you are almighty God and creator of all things, Jesus, you counted us as a brother. You counted us as close friends. And I thank you for giving us your word. I pray that your spirit would lead us into the truth, help us to abide in the truth, and continue to fellowship with each other. Be glorified in our worship now and in our taking of this Lord's Supper. Amen.